This is Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Late Late Show, where I'm joined tonight by James Bruce, a head of department for film studies and a fellow English teacher. And tonight, James and I will be exploring how effective and evolutionary film studies is becoming in education, as well as discussing the impact films can have on your subject and within the curriculum. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTO. Tune in, talk it out, with Teachers Talk Radio. Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes ADAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen EDAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at edapt.uk today. EDAPT. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Late Late Show with myself, Richie, here at Teachers Talk Radio. If you didn't catch my previous episode with James Dean, an online educator last week, please go back and re-listen to the conversation where we explored how effective online education is, highlighting the benefits for students, teachers and parents when education online is done correctly. It was a really, really good podcast, really knowledgeable, all about um, all about assessment, all about making sure that students are getting the very most out of education. So please do go back and have a look. This week, I am pleased to say I am joined by James Bruce, a person I know well after spending a couple of years working with James, who in reality has shown me the ropes in everything film studies and beyond. The first of many film puns this episode, I am sure. You know, when it comes to, to film studies, I think it's a really, really important thing that we talk about actually what film is in the curriculum because for me film was always something that you could do as as a really good lesson and you know as in like way the film's coming out and uh, i remember when i was you know in year seven or eight the teachers bringing this massive telly in this massive cage and all of us cheering when it got wheeled through because we knew it was in for a little bit of an easy ride a little bit of a good lesson however film now for me is something i use as a as a tool you know film for me is something that i use as something to inspire students to actually maybe give them a different input to maybe give them a different way in and you know plot and character are, are really really important especially in the literature exams but actually to to visualize and to be able to see these characters as Shakespeare intended, for example, if we look at Romeo and Juliet, 
then it, it just gives a different dynamism. And for me, that's a really powerful tool now. And I think the film within the curriculum, I'm sure James will tell us in a moment, has really evolved. I think James is in now. Um, just a brief background then. James has been teaching for 17 years and has been teaching film for five years, as well as teaching English and drama too. James, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Yeah, not too bad yet. Not too bad. I can hear you now. So I had to leave and come back. I do apologise. That's okay. Absolutely no problem. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. It would be great for any teacher, as I've mentioned, not just in film or English, where, of course, we adore the adulation and admiration of Baz Luhrmann's masterpiece, which is Romeo and Juliet, to the benefit of using our films in lessons. I mean, nothing for me personally hit quite as hard as watching the 1977 TV miniseries Roots in History to truly highlight the horrors and disbelief of slavery in 1950. As much as you can read about the horrendous actions of what happened, there is nothing more powerful than seeing it occur on screen. Was there or, or has there ever been a moment like that for you at all? Well, funnily enough, you should mention Baz Luhrmann and Julia. When I started teaching, that was like the cool new thing, just to show that. So, but make sure the kids knew, oh, Julia, don't meet to a fish tank. There's no petrol station. Yeah, it's really good for having the proper language, but the fact that it's yeah, completely different visuals. You know, so I think what's quite sobering is the fact that it's now really old, that film. It's like, you know, kids now don't think of it as a new one. It's like they, the first time a couple of years ago, I had a class that actually preferred the Zeparelli version. Um, but I, yeah, teaching my rigid through film, which was my favourite thing to do when I was doing English at, at Key Stage 4, especially with um, some low ability classes, I generally show them a version, either Zeparelli or Basler, and then we'd read the scenes that have an idea. So then we'd watch the other version, an idea that you, know, you can interpret something in a different way, which is really kind of the key to get. So, for example, at 3C1, um, spoiler alert, where, you know, Tibble and um, the Q show die, if you can have a spoiler alert, just you boy, you 25 years old. Um, in the two different versions, it's portrayed very differently. One of them, Tibble's an absolute monster who's out the flood. Um, you know, he's, he's messing around. And when the kids watch that, they go, oh, there's not just one way of reading. You can interpret it in different ways. And it kind of opens their minds to, you know, there's not just one way that Shakespeare meant. In a different way, then you say, you know, that's just two versions from two films from the same century. Imagine how many different ways Tibble and the Q show and Wagner have been portrayed over the last four. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to make as well. It's all about the adaptations in films and making sure that, you know, students respect the film to somewhat degree. But again, as a literature examiner, I have seen several times where, you know, where is the theme of violence portrayed in Romeo and Juliet? Most people alluded to, well, they blew up a petrol station early on. And of course that, you know, you have to be very, very careful and you have to be very responsible in showing films. And that is a common trap that, you know, students can sort of go down. For me, I, you know, I recall actually doing my Romeo and Juliet coursework when I was in year 11, based around that scene. Um, I, another, you know, experience for me where film really helped me cement an understanding yes it wasn't you know another Shakespeare playing Macbeth but actually seeing Macbeth and seeing how tyrannically was and how brutally was actually on the screen for me can it's really difficult to see that in a play and it's really difficult for me to as a student for me to say well is he really that bad he just wants to be king you know so to actually see all of the horrors 
which he has to endure and which he has to go through to do that. I think it's so visual, but also actually really insightful to try to see something on the screen. Is Are there any other films at all, perhaps, that you have seen that you've also, you know, had that effect with? Definitely. So teaching A-level, both land lit and literature, um, streetcar, always do streetcar. And the film version of that in the 1950s is directed by Elia Kazak, basically the same cast as was in its original production. So it's the closest you're ever going to get to actually being to what Tennessee Williams would have seen, what his, his direct choice would have wanted. Um, and it's really interesting that you watch that film with the kid and then say, but that's not the same as the script you've just read. Because of uh, film censorship in the 1950s, which was studio for it by themselves, it's, it's, it's really quite tame compared to the actual play. And it's very interesting to see. But you get the, the payoff of seeing Marlon Brando as Stan. No one else can ever really be Stan. What else can ever be up to what Marlon Brando is doing? But the payoff is, in the end, he doesn't seem anywhere near as nasty because they cut all the, the nasty parts off. And that, having that discussion and adding that to literature and, and like the lesser extent, just saying, so how do you feel about standing there? And then we go and see it, say it at the theatre, and they go, they go, oh, Stanley wasn't as good. But it was interesting that the end was much more brutal, much harsher. Okay. And again, so many students will watch films and so many students will say, oh, did you see so-and-so and did you see so-and-so? It's like, well, what did you like about that film? And then they can tell you everything about the character. But sometimes students actually struggle to do that with black and white. So again, using film curriculum is certainly a benefit. Um, I, I mean, what's it like teaching film studies? Surely as a film studies teacher, you, you see that more often than, you know, we do as English teachers or history teachers do because you see on a daily basis. It's absolutely brilliant. Okay, so, you know, it's, it's fantastic. But today I got to watch Pulp Fiction. I got to watch a bit of E.T. I got to watch some of Jaws and we did a bit of a recap of uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So, you know, I watched four different bits, completely different focuses, but all of them really interesting. They're all really good films and had really good discussions with the kids about you know, all the different things. Oh, and Casablanca. Sorry, just to complete my day. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's great doing that. And, it, you know, the, the kids really enjoy it. They really they really do engage more, much more. But not, I wouldn't say all kids struggle with English, but certainly, um, you know, uh, some children find it difficult to, let me say, engage with just words on the written page, written words on the page, whereas people on we're watching films can really enjoy. So, it's the start of a new academic year. Something that I would like to highlight before we start is obviously I've massively come to appreciate over the past few years in the film studies curriculum. Um, when I first did film in my ITT year, uh, it was almost like a bolt-on to English. It was the English teachers who also taught film because they sort of go together because they have the symbolism. And one of the um, one of the films that we actually watched a trailer for was The Strangers. And it was all about, you know, exploring the pathetic fallacy. It was all about exploring the darkness within, but it was also the contrast between the light and the dark. And, you know, it was very analytical. But for me, it was very much like, okay, well, this is really English, but based around watching a film. So, again, there wasn't too much of a, a diversity about 10 years ago between film or media studies and the curriculum. I mean, what enticed you? You said that, you know, you've been, been a film teacher for five years. What enticed you to become not only a film studies teacher, but also a head of department for a film studies department? Uh, the opportunity just came up. 
I moved schools to my current school from my previous school where I had taught film studies. They taught film studies there, so a job came up to be a film studies teacher. I'm hoping I'm a little bit louder, by the way, now I'm sort of shouting into the mic. Um, um, the film head of department left in the middle of the year, and they said, would you mind stepping up and being in charge of that? I did. Absolutely loved it. And then I've taken on the job ever since. It's a, it's a, it's a dream job, basically, because, it, as you say, it is, it is very similar to English. It's got that vision element to it. I kind of lean on members of my team who are much stronger uh, on the visual elements, but like photography and you know, the camera angles and things, whereas I'm much more confident at dealing with narrative and characters and genre, and I can do historical context and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's just, it's just, you know, you know, I really enjoy doing it. It's, I don't want to say it's easier than teaching English, but realistically it is. There's a lot less pressure on it than, you know, with my old school. Um, and the market is easier because although there's essays at A level at Key Stage Four, they are um, they're short answer questions. So it's just like having different. Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where Adapt come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment, and mental health support, protection without the politics. So what makes EDAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen EDAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at edapt.org.uk today. Adapt, supporting school staff, protecting careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Rack remains the top education story across many media outlets. BBC focusing on the impact the issue is having on universities across the UK. The news website refers to closures of lecture theatres, science labs and student unions. So far, 15 universities have told the BBC that they have closed or partially closed areas containing the reinforced autoclaved aerated concrete. Some lectures have had to be relocated and a small number of universities have had to find alternative accommodation for students, as halls of residence have also been affected. This has placed additional pressures on universities already facing housing shortages with charity Unipol suggesting that student housing shortages are going to get worse in some cities. Student numbers are growing, but the number of new rooms is tumbling. This is largely due to high building costs, older buildings falling into disrepair, and now rack concerns are adding to the issue. Last week, the DfE published the list of 147 schools in England built using the concrete. Six unions have now written to Education Secretary Gillian Keegan asking a series of urgent questions. The BBC says that Essex is the county in England with the most affected schools, with 25 closed, partly closed or making alternative arrangements. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has dismissed suggestions that he was at fault for the concrete crisis. During Prime Minister's question time, he said his government had acted decisively, whilst opposition leader Sakir Starmer referred to him as Captain Hindsight. In Wales, only two schools have so far been affected by RAC, 
but First Minister Mark Drakeford said inspections were ongoing. In Scotland, Humza Youssef has outlined his plans for the coming year, with a heavy focus on expanding childcare provision, saying it is the best way to support families. This plan includes the recruitment of a 1,000 more childminders by 2026. Free childcare hours are being extended to two-year-olds across the country. There will be a pilot of expanded care from nine months to the end of primary in six local authority areas, and free school meals for P6 and P7 pupils moves forward. But those in receipt of the Scottish Child Payment will receive them first by 2024, with others following by 2026. Last week, Mr Yusuf also commented on the issue of banning single-use vapes and linked this to the comments made about young people using vapes too often. He stated that the government will consult on curbing the sale of disposable single-use vapes, including consulting on an outright ban. According to The Guardian's, teachers have staged walkouts over harassment by parents and students. Thousands of staff attended a rally in Seoul demanding better protection after a number of teacher suicides. Teachers are being increasingly vocal about their experiences of maltreatment, including being accused of child abuse after disciplining students. Around 15,000 teachers attended a rally last week and some schools had to temporarily close due to a lack of staff. As of June 2023, 100 school teachers had died by suicide in the country since 2018. The current education ministry blamed the current situation on previous governments, saying that they had overemphasised students' human rights over teachers' rights. Finally, The Guardian also reports that a city in Japan is tackling a rise in truancy with the help of robots. Two schools in Kumamoto have purchased mechanical assistance to help children regain confidence in dealing with teachers and their peers. It is hoped the robots will encourage children to attend classes remotely and eventually coax them back in person. The robots will be equipped with microphones, speakers and cameras. Students learning remotely will be connected to the robots via laptops, allowing them to attend and take part in discussions. The robots will not be confined to classrooms, but be free to roam so pupils can take part in other events and enjoy social times remotely too. Japan, like many countries, including the UK, is facing a rise in the number of pupils refusing to go to school since the pandemic. Could robots be the key to improvement? This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week we've all returned to work and I'm going to discuss the old argument of digital or paper diary. For every argument for going digital, there's a counter-argument for not, and vice versa. You can access a digital diary from anywhere, on any device, but if you don't have a signal, it's useless. A paper diary can't get hacked, but it can be picked up and read if left lying around. You get the point. I personally like a digital diary, as it suits the way I work. I can add links to online meetings, add notes and attach documents. I can see my day, week, month, year at the click of a button. And the most useful thing for me is I get reminder notifications. One thing to consider if moving digital is policies on phones in your school, as this is the most likely way you'll access it on the move. And probably most importantly, if you're using your phone, will you be able to resist the notifications from other apps or emails you see when you switch it on to use it? Cost doesn't really apply as a factor, because you probably 
already have a phone capable of running a digital diary. But work-life balance may need to be considered as the diary is there 24-7. This can, however, be remedied by using Do Not Disturb settings for notifications. In the end, it's a personal choice. Are you paper or digital? Let us know at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Early doors here then, James. Let's give the loyal listeners what they want straight away. How effective is showing films in the curriculum? We've obviously briefly spoke about why it's effective. I mean, let's talk about how effective it can be. So, I mean, when we were in English, you used to always hear, can we watch the film? Can we watch the film? We're the film version of it. And do you know what? Teaching film studies, that hasn't happened the other way around. No one's watched Blade Runner and gone up and read Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Um, I see film studies or studying film as kind of the pinnacle of literature, although albeit just with one interpretation. So instead of looking at, you know, a, a book and saying, how would you visualize this? We look at a person's, a director's version of something um, and they go, well, how could it be different? What are they trying to get us to do? When we get to things like spectatorship theory and, and you know, the political context of when you make a film. For example, films that are remade every 20 or 30 years and how the political landscape would it would impact them. Um, I, I just find that really, really interesting. Uh, a discussion I had with my film studies teachers and with my film studies department uh, kids the other day was a bit like how now we've reached a stage in the superhero films where you can discuss who your favourite Batman was or who your favourite Spider-Man was in the same way you might discuss who you thought was best as Hamlet or best as um, Macbeth or whatever. And I just find that really, really interesting. So I absolutely, you know, that's part of my job that I really, really love. I love the fact that we can do the same things we do in English. I'm, I said picking up genre, narrative, character studies, um, and that those things doing that with my GCSE and A-level film studies students really helps them in English. I also help them how to write paragraphs. So when we do longer paragraphs in film studies, I use the same methods I would do in my English lessons. I use what, how, why. And I say to them, you know, when you're doing this in English, you're just replacing mise-en-scene or cinematography with nouns, verbs, adjectives, similes, metaphors, etc. And they've all found that really, really, really helpful. In fact, many of the year 11s I just had tended to only do well in film and English um, at, at the expense of some of the other subject. And I'm going to claim that was down to my teaching them how to write paragraphs. Absolutely. They find it fun. They find it engaging. And also, we show them stuff that they would never see anywhere else that they would never dream of watching so for example we do a film called sunrise it's from 1927 uh, it was the first film with sound and then was immediately kind of superseded by the fact that so right, you can have sound or you can have talking and put the jazz singer came out but no kids are ever going to watch that um but now they do watch it and they're forced to watch it and they realize that because it's all visual like you know when they're watching at home for the second thursday they have to they have to put their phones down they have to pay attention we watch foreign films we watch a film called the wave in um, year 10 11 which is uh, a german film about the the chances of the rise of fascism based on a thing from america and it's absolutely brilliant and they love it they really really love it and they they, they go well never would have watched that and why would you why would you have watched an obscure german film from 2008 um also we do documentary and i know that has led some of our students to go off of one of documentaries particularly by the same guy so the guy who does um acid Kabadi, amy which we do did a brilliant one uh, in a similar style about Maradona. So as soon as I told all the boys who liked the football in my class that they all went off and watched that, and were like, this makes 
Um, so I've really, I really like that, that, that doing that as part of my job. Um, also, I always used to show films. So say when I had a key stage four class several years ago who really struggled with doing lots of reading, I would read the bits of War of the Worlds and then we'd watch bits of Spielberg's version. Say, look how they made it more exciting and it's all like, thing, but it's not quite the same, is it? And they, they actually love that. And now the lessons I did for that are part of my year nine curriculum for film. It's a completely different focus, but it's still effective and hopefully they still. Something that you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, you watched E.T., Obviously, it's an absolute classic. It's such a great film. But I wonder how many of your students, if you would have said, right, who's seen the film E.T.? Because it is fairly dated now, which makes us both sound old. But um, I wonder how many students actually would have gone away and on their own perhaps watched E.T. Or I know that you, you also studying Jaws, go away and watch Jaws. Because the special effects, while it was absolutely incredible for those times, actually when you look back, like anything, it's evolutionary. I wonder how many of those students would have gone away and watched that film and actually how many of them have enjoyed that film too. And again, it's it's like teaching anything within the curriculum. You're opening their minds up to something that they've never experienced before but could have such a profound effect on them moving forwards. It does, especially with, that, with, with E.T. because we have to compare it in terms of genre to uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And the kids go, oh, he's a really old. And I point out, well, E.T. is from the year I was born. So, you know, and I say, and Body Snatch is from the year my parents were born. So, I, you know, it's, it's old for you. It was old for me as well. But, yeah, they, they, they see it and they go, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's like how literature is a view into the past in a way to see how people lived before. Films do the same thing. And it's now been around long enough as a, as a, as a medium that we, we can actually enjoy that and they can appreciate that. Yeah, and, and we've got some people who are calling and texting in as well. Paul has said, I love loved media studies at college and I tried to use short films in writing in my Key Stage 2 class. And actually, Paul, I um, I use lots and lots of short films, especially for like gothic fiction. Um, you know, I think there's some really good gothic shorts out on the internet. And when you're exploring gothic fiction, sometimes it, be, it can be quite hard to get all of the elements within the gothic, but actually you could play uh, a, a 10 or 15 minute short video and all of the areas of gothic are in there. So it's not just, you know, the use of whole films, it's actually the use of short films and the use of media moving forwards. And surely James, you know, within, within your years teaching, you've seen that evolve so much more, you know, over the past, I would say decade, because I certainly feel that the use of media and multimedia and video and film have all played a massive part in, in the curriculum and education over the past 10 years. Oh, definitely. I mean, like you, I remember the wheeling in the old TV, you know, and it chained up and it was a real treat until one kid had a watch that could turn it off. And the teacher would be flummoxed. Uh, but yeah, having the interactive whiteboards and my room's got surround sound and all that kind of stuff, it's a real, you know, it's a different world to what we went to at school. Um, on the subject of Key Stage 2 and using short films, by the way, there's a brilliant company called Interfilm. And they uh, provide free resources for schools. And uh, they organized some trips for me last year. Uh, they've got loads of really well-aimed, like they've got Key Stage 1, Key Stage 2, Key Stage 3, short films specifically for that, about a wide variety of things, you know, so refugees or about, like, you know, nature. Um, so that I can strongly recommend them as a, as a good way of getting resources. I don't work for them, I'm just saying. Uh, there's plenty on YouTube and there's plenty of other But just there is really good resources out there of, selected short films and things to show kids that will, will inspire them. Yeah, I mean, obviously film relies on coursework and 
you know, when it comes to coursework, which obviously your subject requires, do you have any hints or tips or guidance for fellow teachers listening you know, to, to us now when it comes to the submission of coursework? What is there any area that you insist on for students? Yes, so there's lots of things I have to say about coursework. It's still really a work in progress. It's only my uh, third year being in charge of coursework, and I've been involved in it before. I was really glad when coursework disappeared from English years ago. It's such a, a it's such an amount of stress, and in film studies, it's really really useful. Um, so when I first started, I took over the the school's policy of you don't make the films, you just write screenplays. Um, I have now extended that to, we're going to write a screenplay and then if you want to make the film, you are more than welcome to. But I want the screenplay so that if you don't get the film done, I've got something I can hand in. Um, and I'd recommend that to other people. Yet still, you have to get an actual film in because as people have discovered in the past, until you get someone who really wants to do it. But you know, when that one student does really want to do it, it is going to be that budding filmmaker and it's going to go on to be the next Christopher Nolan. Then I want them to have the opportunity to, to have done that. Um, the best bit of advice I would give, uh, which is something I found in this school, is to have a good screenplay formatting program. So we use one, and it just means that the kids aren't spending and you're not spending time formatting, center aligning and saying, well, that needs to be in block capitals, this needs to be this, and there needs to be this at the top of the page. It does it itself. And they can write it in Word, copy and paste it over, and then just right-click it into the right places. That has saved so much hassle. It saves so much time. Like you get some fun lessons teaching the kids that, and they write little screenplays. I showed them how easy it was by getting my eight-year-old daughter at the time, she's 10 now, but getting my eight-year-old daughter to write one. And look, she wrote that in 20 minutes. Now you can check what you can. And they've all been really, really good since then. Um, one thing I would say that I learned from last year is that if you get people who miss their drafts, because obviously the coursework that guidelines only mark one official draft, um, and my six formers did not hand in, some of them did not hand in their storyboards, photo storyboards with their first draft, and that led to them handing in their photo storyboards with portrait photos. And when I point out to them, when was the last time you saw a film in portrait mode? They couldn't answer because obviously there aren't any. And that's a schoolboy error not to be repeated by me and obviously not by them. Um, Organisation is really important for sorting out coursework. We were picked apart the first year we had it for, it was a bit like I did inherit a you know, group right towards the end. It was February the time I took away when they hadn't done it. So it got an excuse, but since then, we've got really, really good at making sure we, we, we are on it. And one of the things we do is is online. The, the students submit their work online. Uh, I convert it to PDFs, and then we can mark on there. And I get okay, my colleagues in my department, we can all mark and it leaves your initials on there. And then when it's sent off to the exam board, they can see that you've marked, you've moderated, you've cross-moderated, and they can see where you got your marks from. And it's meant that since then, we've had no marks moved. They've just been told we're an exemplary, um, you know, Exemplary example terms, uh, an exemplary center or marking course. The other thing I would say is with the rise of AI to look out for plagiarism, they are normally very obviously spotted because you can, you know, you're, you know, the kids you teach and you can tell when they bring it when they haven't. Uh, but obviously, AI is making it easier and easier to um, to, to create coursework from nowhere. And it's something that the, uh, the government will have to look at. And it's not just going to be an issue for film studies, I think it might be an issue. Yeah, absolutely. I think the rise of, you know, plagiarism and, you know, certain websites that allow you to put in a question and that question then gets answered, copy, paste it into Word, there's your coursework, off you go. I think it is going to be, as you say, it's going to be a, you know, a, a nationwide problem for people to tackle. When we when we actually had, I, re I recall the days of IGCSE and something 
in my department, my English department that I insisted on and that heads of department insisted on was, yes, your drafts are in, but we're also not going to submit any coursework that's ready, sorry, that's not ready to go. And I think that when when students and parents understand that you are not just going to submit, you know, what's not good and, you know, I know that it's a lot more work for teachers, as you quite rightly said, but for me, coursework was something that if it wasn't handed in on the, you know, on that draft date, we would be phoning parents relentlessly until they answered their phones. And that was a massive, massive difference. And, and perhaps, you know, with the coursework element not being part of English, yes, it does help with the workload, but it almost sort of made it a little bit fair and not a hundred percent exam as well. So you did sort of get a more of a rounded body of work, a portfolio of work, you know, rather than just. 100% exams, two in language and two in literature as well. So, because of where people who worked really hard on their coursework, and I suppose they get the advantage at A level where they can produce. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how do you think film studies then compares to other subjects? Because for me, English, film, drama, history, they work really well together in a cross curriculum sense. So, how, you know, filming. I think film is actually growing. Film studies, the subject of film studies is growing. We're not quite at that psychology boom yet of where every Tom, Dick and Harry wants to do psychology. But I certainly think that film studies is getting there and it is growing. Um, I hadn't realised until I started teaching it how much we would have strong links with history. Um, and I've had some really good chats with the head of the history department saying, well, when you're doing that, we should, we should match up. So, for example, in A-level history, they do the Spanish Civil War. And then in year 13 film studies, we do Pan's Labyrinth, which is set in the immediate after the Spanish Civil War. And then I kind of had a couple of students who said, yeah, we did this. And they thought, I was doing my context lesson. And they said, well, that's not entirely true. So what you actually find is blah, blah, blah. Franco did this, Franco did that. And it was really good. So I said, oh, well, next time we'll make sure we, we, we collude on this and say, you know, those of you are the experts. And they basically did their history, Spanish Civil War version, by doing teaching the rest of my class the, you know, the ins and outs of the, the aftermath of the Spanish Civil War. Um, also things like we do Casablanca, which obviously was filmed during the, the, the Second War. It was actually arguably a piece of American propaganda about joining the war. Um, but I was able to tell my year 12s today that they, there's a mention of uh, concentration camps. The character escaped from a concentration camp and saying, well, of course, at the time, they had no idea what how bad concentration camps were. It wasn't until after the war when they, you know, they, they soldiers went in there and saw what really happened, and it just, it, 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 it I, I didn't realize how close it was going to link to history and how much it's being part of history and how important history level was to it. Um, obviously, there's huge links with the English department. Uh, all our teachers are, like you said, uh, part of the English department. We're all English specialists, um, and I think they they do overlap really, really well. And it's a lot of the same skills. It's it's. It's got a similar essay writing skill as well. I teach my essay writing for my A-level film studies in exactly the same way as I've done for years teaching A-level literature in that, you know, what are you trying to say? Tell us what you're going to say and then make a point, make an argument. Convince me. And this is how you do it. This is how you include quotes. There's obviously it's not quotes from your film that's going to be talking about cinematography, mise-en-scene, sound editing, whatever, but it's basic skills. Um, and then, of course, we've had, we have to do foreign language film so there's been a crossover with to the mfl department um doing so very good getting very good at showing films you were saying what is the impact of films in other curriculums the amount of times i i, I hear of mfl classes showing a film 
in a different language because that's a way for kids to kind of absorb it a bit like you know learning a language by living in another country if you watch harry potter in spanish you're going to pick up some spanish because you know the story you know what's going to go in it and you're just hearing it in spanish instead yeah that's i, I didn't realize that uh, mfl did that and actually that's a really good strategy you know to to, to get students involved in that and so that you said about cross-curricular I've always wanted to actually have a project that ran across three or four departments. So you can take, you know, you could take World War Two, and you could take history and you can put the boy in the striped pajamas in the novel and then you could do some drama based around it and plus the film. And I think, I, I mean, I personally have never been involved in that project, but I think for one half term, it would be phenomenal just to say we are really honing down on this topic and then one, two, three, four, five different subjects. That's what we're going to be doing. Imagine like, the knowledge that those students would get but from different outlets and from different subjects based around that one knowledge it would be absolutely incredible well, doing a, a multi-faculty thing on Titanic you could have the history of it you could have the stories behind read non-fiction about it obviously the film maybe with a certain bit cut out of it but yeah you know, it would be really really good be good at well, that'd be good at any school age really key stage two key stage three and we never really see like it's always an idea in the secondary schools that I've worked at it's always been an idea and for one reason or another it's just never quite mixed up I think primary schools perhaps do this a lot better you know that project based um, exploration I remember doing the Tudors when I was in year six and it must have stuck with me because I still remember doing it I still remember doing that Tudors project and you know I'd like to be part of that a part of that project and again, the curriculum and lesson time is so important, but actually if there's a subject worth teaching and the students worth knowing, and it's something to explore. Um, is there any advice that you would give to budding film studies teachers at all? Because as I said, the subject is growing, more and more numbers take it each and every year, so therefore there are hopefully going to be more opportunities for film studies teachers to, to do just that. I would I would say firstly really enjoy it you're lucky to be teaching a subject that's so much fun and so enjoyable and so you know teaching something you like you do you would do for fun anyway something that's literally a, a leisure activity is now your job um and get advice from others one thing I found really useful in the last few years is drawing on the advice of, of as I say experts there's a young man in my department who's really good with photography and the use of color and the use of like, what is the different impact of different camera angles um, just on people who've taught it years before. So at the first year I did the coursework, I gave the class completely free reign. And a, a, a man in a, one of our schools in our trust said, he said, well, I don't do that. He said, I said they can teach anything, but all my lessons are going to be guiding towards one particular genre. And he said, horror is the easiest genre for the weaker students. Do do horror. And I said, well, that's a, that's a great idea. And I, I've said, all my lessons are going to be about horror, but if anyone wants to do anything else, just convince me that you're able to do it and you can do it. And last year, that was incredibly successful. Um. I'd also say, through the films, get through them quickly. So, I I am a, an absolute. I, I cannot stop myself pausing films and talking through them. Um, the kids hate it. They've always hated it. You know, when I was doing it during English, and I said, "Well, because we're not here to just watch this. We we pick it apart. We're here to analyze it." But the head of department that I took over from, she used to say, "Well, no, they should watch it all the way through, like they were going to the cinema." But actually, I found that kids don't watch stuff all the way through anymore they're so used to being able to pause television or be able to go back and watch things in different orders they quite they quite like me making sure they they know what's going on but get through it watch the film in its entirety and then go through it again go through it with a fine tooth comb picking apart everything pausing every shot doing 
every single bit of it, picking up the sound. What can you hear here? Um, I also do a thing of watching some scenes the screen off and say, right, now we're just going to focus on the sound. What can you tell about the sound? And they found that such uh, an interesting uh, concept. Um, I would also say, and this has been a great piece of advice to anyone who's going to teach film studies, get yourselves a streaming service. I've had that at both the schools I've taught filming studies, uh, film studies. Um, there are various companies that do it, but it means that anything that's been on TV, if you're in education, you have a, a license to be able to, to, to stream. And that means that all the films that have been on there, and if you need to change a film to have it, change films to have it, it means the kids don't have to go out and buy DVDs, they have to buy Amazon Primes of it. You can say, right, this is available. Get it on your phone. You need to watch the film again. You need to do this. You need to do that. Watch all the films. And they can do things like screenshotting. So I often set a task of go through that section, the bit where ET first appears, and I want you to pick one shot that you thought was really good. I want you to freeze frame it. I want you to copy it into a PowerPoint, label it for all the micro features <laughs> that this on set. And they, then they go, that's your revision. That right there, when you get a question about cinematography, you just recall what you said about that picture. When you get a question about the introduction of a character, recall that picture. But having a streaming site, well, if you access that, makes it a million times easier. It can be painful, and I've seen you know, people at our school absolutely hate me um, because like constantly badgering them, this kid needs access to this film, this thing, you know. But it's definitely worth it. If, if it one piece of advice, it will be that. Get yourself a streaming service. Something you mentioned um, earlier when um, when we were talking was kids don't watch films the whole way through and students don't watch films all the way through. In fact, I don't think I watch films the whole way through because, yeah, you can pause it, etc. But also, television is quite a secondary activity, you know, because, yeah, you might stick the telly on, but how often do you look at your phone whilst that is being shown or... How often do you perhaps just quickly nip and go to the loo or go and get yourself a drink or a snack or something to eat? And then sometimes you might not even bother pausing the film, you know? So the art, I think, of of actually sitting and watching a film has probably been lost on lots of students. And I haven't been to the cinema, I don't think, for, for a good few years. I think that's the only time where I would sit and watch a film in its whole entirety without phones because obviously you can't have phones and everybody does have phones they get popcorn thrown over their heads but you know it it is a secondary activity i feel for most people watching the television because you have other things around you that maybe takes your primary focus uh one of the reasons i'm so keen to i've organized several cinema trips as since i've taken over as head department because i think that's important kids going to the cinema and i point out you know one of my rules in classes if we're watching a film, you don't talk to the person next to you. And I would say, because uh, you wouldn't talk in the cinema. And if you would talk in the cinema, everyone in the cinema hates you. I mean, yeah. kids necessarily know that. That, you know, that's rude. People don't want that. They're trying to enjoy their film. So I've taken them all to the cinema and said, you know, you're going to sit there, you're going to watch it, and we'll talk about it afterwards. Um, that level of concentration. But yeah, like you, like like you, like most people, because like, if I can pause a film, I go and get a drink or go to the toilet or pause it and explain to everyone talking to you what I thought about, about it, I, I, I think that's really good. Um, one of the things in film studies actually is about uh, spectatorship and about uh, active and passive. And although it doesn't mean, you know, are you literally actively watching it or are you on your phone? It's about whether films engage you to think about the content. And so there's a film we watch called Captain Fantastic. And I point out to the kid, because you're going to have to think about it. It's not, it's not spoon feeding you ideas.
sorry, James, I think we might just have, have lost your connection there at all. Um, there you go. Up, oh, and you're back again. Um, yeah, I was just saying, in a in a film that we watch, they it's about making sure they were paying attention. They 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 had to be focused on what was happening, otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And no, that's okay. And 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 you know, that's that's like that in so many different areas as well. Just because one player doesn't mean they don't have to concentrate on that part. And I think again, the evolution of film studies will be that realization. Um, prior to our discussion here tonight, we discussed a lot of things about why do we teach X? Why do we teach Y? You know, why do we have to teach Shakespeare? Do you have that in, in film studies or is there anything else that you'd like to elaborate on? Different to in English. So in English, you'd get asked, why are we doing this? By And you, you're teaching kids who have to do English. It's, they don't have a choice. In film studies, the only one says, why are we doing this? Because we like watching films. It's a great film. I'm showing you a great film. So I don't get that in the same way. What you get in film studies is, what's the point of doing this? Like, you know, what, what is the end goal of doing this? They understand why doing English is important because they need a GCSE in English and otherwise they have to reset it and so on. So I, I always find it interesting. It was really to kind of open up to, to you and your listeners about how do we answer that question? Now, with English, I, I got very good at answering, explaining why some things are important. I found it very difficult to justify language paper too. For example, I still don't really know why anyone would ever need to compare 19th century nonfiction to modern nonfiction. I've never you ever found an answer to explain to kids apart from it's in the exam, so you have to do it. Whereas with films, I can always say either, you know, I'm going to teach you how to write about this and that's going to help you through English, or you're going to learn something or see a, a time period or a country or a group of people you never would have interacted with. You're going to learn something, you're going to experience something you wouldn't have seen, wouldn't have come across. Um, I also thought it was interesting with the, uh, the question about, you know, why do we do things? I think education is very different post-COVID you know, the kids expect to be taught in a different way and maybe take education on board in a different way. You and I discussed the other day about uh, online teaching and uh, I taught film studies through the, the pandemic and I had a wonderful class who were brilliant and it turns out film studies A-level to a group of basically captive people in their in their rooms uh, who had nothing better to do than sit and listen to me in the morning, watch the film <laughs> midday and then come back to me with an essay in the afternoon was absolutely brilliant they they we, we rattled through hundreds of films we watched everything we were they, they were great they, they all got a's they were they're they absolutely brilliant and i thought as part of that and i've tried to put this in my lessons that you know um computer literacy is as much as you know, where, you know, primary school teachers have to teach kids how to how to write with a pen but so often i get kids in my class who can't don't know how to save a document don't know how to how to make a powerpoint don't know how to you know, compose an email or, or to write an essay or to put something online. And so as I've got computers in my classroom, I find myself teaching computer literacy as much as anything else. This is how you save a file here. This is how you could I get my six forwards to work together on a document. And actually, you know, often, in some cases, they, they know more than me about it. They go, oh, yeah, we've done this, we've worked on this, we've, worked, you know, we've used this program or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering, really, it was a, a more of a debate rather than my, my views on it of how we just respond to the question of why are we doing this? Yeah, it's always it's always that context behind it, and you never want to hide behind because we have to, because that doesn't entice students either, you know. Um, so it's always trying to bring out positive and roll out. Well, this is why we do it because it's going to help you do this, this, and this skill. And I think you know by even just just in, in the couple of years that I've looked at 
the film studies curriculum. I can absolutely see that with film. I can absolutely see why you have to watch this film to understand another film. And I can actually see how well it fits in the curriculum. I think it's such an underrated subject, but actually it is getting the recognition it deserves now. And actually think about how many, it would be really good to, to have a survey and ask the students how many clips of films or how many YouTube videos or how many media things have you seen this week? And I bet in most lessons, they would have seen a fair amount of them. So we're seeing the evolution, not just of film, but actually of multimedia across the curriculum that is helping and benefiting our students as well. Oh, certainly. I mean, I, my first lesson with my year 12s the other day was, right, you have to get your phones out and you have to sign up to the IMDb app so that whenever we watch anything, I want you to read it. I want you to learn everything about that film. And you're going to watch a film a week as part of your homework and you're going to rate it and you're going to read everything about it and be able to tell me everything about it. So getting that and then from there, they go, can we watch YouTube videos explaining stuff? Yes, definitely. Why wouldn't you? If you're on YouTube anyway, why not watch some of the excellent you know, YouTubers out there who literally go through films bit by bit and explain why they're brilliant. There's a fantastic video I directed them to where a man's done a 20-minute video about Ian McKellen's acting with his eyes in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's an <laughs> incredible video. That it's, it's just he's it, done rooms and got all the clips and done everything and picks it apart and explains why Ian McKellen's an absolute genius at doing that. That you know, no one's that's not going to get put on the BBC. Now, no one's going to commission that, but a man's done it out of, out of love because he wants to do that. And yes, definitely go and watch it. There's a lot of good film studies uh, students, actually, they work in the media of film, have put loads of fantastic and like loads of brilliant resources I often uh, guide the kids towards. So, yes, multimedia getting kids to be engaged. What do you think the future holds for films that is, I've sort of alluded to, I think that is only going to grow. I don't think we will see a dip. I think that the more students are exposed to films that is early on, hopefully in Key Stage 3, you know, that uptake in Key Stage 4 and Key Stage 5, I think, will generally evolve because, as you've said, that there isn't a niche for film studies. You don't have to be a particular student to either enjoy film studies or study film studies. So for me, I think you know, it, it's going to evolve into like we're seeing a psychology boom. I mean, what do you feel? You, you're, you're the expert. You teach film. What have you seen over the years in your class sizes? What have you done to perhaps promote your subject? So I've done a lot to promote my subjects and increase them massive. Um, but I do have some worries with, although the numbers are going up in my school, I worry about the, the, the qualification itself because... So many kids, when they're doing their coursework, say, can we mention Top Boy? I say, no, you're not allowed to mention TV series, specifically films. And they're like, oh, but I watch series. A lot of kids do watch series and YouTube videos rather than films. And really, what I would like, as I used to teach media studies, I would like media studies to have to have come along with it. Um, we, I, my, The head teacher at my school asked if they would consider moving from film to media studies when I took over. I said, no, I'll explain why because I'd been to a school in our trust and as their media studies this is in 2022 uh, were designing a magazine cover and a CD cover and the teachers doing it said she had to spend the first few weeks explaining to the kids what a magazine was and what a CD was Fuff. there and use them yeah. things don't go that way um, film is is evolving and changing when you look at the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and yeah, the fact that Star Wars was a film, then it was nine films, and now it's films and 
the shows. You have to watch the shows to get to understand what's going on with the films. And that in, in some ways, traditional films, you know, one-off films seem to be dying out. Um, a franchise or, a, or or straight to straight to streaming kind of thing. Um, so I hope that it, it, I don't have any answers either. I don't know whether they should entrench themselves and be like literally and say, no, we're going to keep it. It's just films and it's just this. I go to stories. I'll go to you know, moving stories. You just kind of keep that going. Um, it depends on the way education goes. Education has been very different in the last in, in my teaching career. Um, but I, I, I really enjoy teaching film studies. I mean, the kids really enjoy doing it. And I know that the people that might aren't teach. So I could only hope, certainly in my school. I think you made a really good point there about the TV series. So I absolutely loved the Marvel Cinematic Universe all the way through to Endgame. And then after that, whilst it's, you know, I personally don't think that in itself is almost like a, a TV series for film. You know, like every, every single character eventually came together, but it took about 13, 14, 15 films to get to Endgame. After that, I just didn't have time to keep up with all of the television series. I didn't have time. I did watch WandaVision and Loki, but then after that, I was like, can I only dip in and out a bit? And then when it comes to the next big film, I'm like, oh, well, I actually don't know X, Y, and Z because you don't have the time to do it. And I think that's a really good point because when big films, big franchises like Star Wars then bring in their television series as well, you sort of get left behind with the films themselves if they stand in isolation because actually... Most of the time, you need to go back and spot all of the different Easter eggs, which is obviously how franchises are built. Um, maybe we might even see a television series studies one day. It's, it's you know, it's weird to think. I, I compared it the other day to uh, how Dickens's novels were originally published in newspapers, and they weren't a novel; they were they were a weekly serial, and then they were in a novel now, and so they you know they're, they're happily accepted as part of the canon. Perhaps if they shove together all of Loki or all of Andor or whatever, would it count as would they look back on it as part of the film in the future, whereas now there's a a divide? I don't know. I don't. How do you think, then, if you're going to give any advice to teachers who are listening tonight or listening back on the podcast, how do you think teachers should incorporate film into their schemes of learning? It's not something that we can irresponsibly just throw in because it kills a couple of lessons and we get to mark our books while the students are watching a film. How do you think teachers should incorporate films into their schemes of learning? When I was, I, I spoke to other heads of department. I was glad to see they already do. Um, one thing I would say to them is, I say, don't just watch your way through. Do stop it. Do talk about it. If you're going to, if you're watching Titanic in history, don't just assume the story of Rose and Jack is going to be enough for them. Pause it and say, look at the opulence of this room, and then pause it again later and go, look at where, look at the, 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 where the third class people are. Look at that. Look at the, the the class differences and what that tells us. What we could learn in MFL when they're if they're watching a film in a foreign language. Look, look, look how people dress differently, or look how they behave differently, or look at the response of the 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 in the, in the German film we watched. The parents are really kind of the kids are the sensible ones, and the parents are so kind of free. But there's a, a family who let their twelve year old son smoke, but they're you know really quite well off family. And you think why are they doing that? And they say, oh, it's important for him to choose because they grew up in a kind of Germany where it was really important to be free and to be kind of liberal so it's, it's a really interesting thing what I'd also say is that there should be a film for every occasion like how I really also think there's an episode of The Simpsons for every occasion <laughs> yeah I imagine that yeah it'd go, I reckon that'd be more than a five year curriculum as well probably even more than seven 
Um, some, so as we wind down here, some quick fire questions that I do try to ask most of my guests, if not all of them, uh, just, you know, for us to get to know you a little bit better. Um, favorite book? Wilt by Tom Sharp. Okay, why? But it's a, it's a really funny book if you've not read it. Uh, it's my answer when I get asked this, because obviously when you're an English teacher and you move to schools, the, the head teacher says, what's your favorite book? Yeah. And I say this and they say, why? And I say, it's about a jaded English teacher who's fed up with teaching <laughs> teaching Lord of the Flies to a people, those people who aren't interested, plots to kill his wife. And they sort of look at me like, I see. <laughs> so that's always been my go-to answer. Uh, so Wilt by Tom Sharp. So it's nice. a chaotic book. Yeah, nice. I like it. Uh, best learning technique that you could give our teachers. How do you think students learn the best, from your opinion? Fun and games. Make your lessons memorable. Now, the lesson I remember most from being in my first ever English lesson in secondary school my wonderful teacher, Mr. Scales, said, right, boys, come on, out we go. And he took us out into the playground and he set fire to the bin. <laughs> and it was, it, we, you could, you were looking at the time going, what, what's happening? What's going on? But everyone remembers that. He did it with every year, every day, every year he was there. And everyone remembers, do you remember going in the playground and Mr. Scales set fire to the bin? And you remember that lesson. You remember what the focus was. Everyone did that piece of homework. You had to write up what it was like. And he said, you can write that you thought it was mad. You can write whatever you want, but you're writing me an essay about it tonight. And everyone yeah. remembers that. Make it memorable. Make it fun. Just to clarify, there was a learning outcome. He's not just an arsonist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was. <laughs> he wasn't later section. <laughs> well, I mean, he might have been. It's not because I was there. And um, best advice you've ever been given? Um, my favorite piece of advice ever is it's easier to ask forgiveness than for, to ask permission. But maybe not when running a school trip. So I thought for, uh, for in terms of education, um, and if, if there's any sort of trainee teachers, really, most kids are all right. A teacher, a, a, an old, quite an old guy said that to me when I was on my training year. He said, don't forget that most kids are all right. He said, even if there's a few make, you're making life difficult or messing around or doing most of them are all right. He said, if you go around in the world, you don't walk down the high street thinking that everyone's going to try and get you or everyone's out to get you. These kids are going to grow up into the people of the world. Most people are all right. Don't be scared. Yeah, I completely agree as well. Otherwise, we won't be in this job. Final piece of advice to all teachers and tutors who are film studies teachers and listening to this radio show. Please share your resources. Uh, there's a wonderful shared drive uh, that we use, and it's so good for when I took over and I hadn't seen some of the films that you taught and I hadn't I wasn't an expert in some of the things, just being able to go, right, there's a PowerPoint now, I can take that, I can use that. There's a there's a scheme of work there. Um, you know, teaching is a it's a thing that everyone, all teachers in the country are in it to, to help the kids. No one, I hope, is in it to, to make loads of money by selling resources or doing anything. If you make something good, share it and let someone else use it. Let someone else, if you borrow it, improve it, they put it back on, you can get it back. Sharing resources and things, I think, is something that we talked about, you know, the use of technology. Teachers can be using that so much more. Um, you know, sharing ideas, sharing plans, sharing, work, sharing PowerPoints and sharing great clips. They, Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today on this edition of The Late Late Show. As a friend, it's always great to catch up and I want to thank you for your time today and all of the insight, advice, help and positivity you've brought to the radio show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I have and I wish you nothing but the best in this upcoming year. Join me next week on The Late Late Show where I'll be joined by Jane Panter, an expert in tutoring boys groups and seeking out what is best for boys in the ever-growing divide between the genders in education. 
Thank you all for listening, either live or as a podcast on the Listen Back on Teachers Talk Radio. I look forward to seeing you all next week. But for now, stay safe, take care and see you soon. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. Thank <laughs> you.